This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by Dama Financial. Get access to a secure, transparent banking solution with Dama Financial. Secure your cash, make and receive electronic payments, and stop worrying that your account will be shut down for being a cannabis business. Protect your money with an FDIC-insured bank account and discover Dama's suite of sustainable, compliant financial products, including merchant processing. Schedule a free consultation at damafinancial.com today or call 877-401-3262. Dama Financial is an agent of its financial institutions. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis uh, through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today is a is a real departure from the show. You know, we we obviously stick to uh, guests in the the cannabis industry, um, and we've obviously had, uh, you know, drug uh, reform activists on the show. Uh, But today I'm I'm going off the rails here with Zappy Zappel. Uh, He's the director of the 2016 documentary, The Reality of Truth, uh, which follows actress Michelle Rodriguez and others on a personal journey of discovery, and Lamar Odom Reborn, which focuses on Odom's journey from public breakdown, depression, and addiction to healthy and thriving through ketamine infusions and plant medicine. He's also the founder of the Ketamine Fund, which offers free ketamine to veterans and others who are suicidal, and the Mind Army, which believes that every human being has the right alienable right to go inside their own minds for answers and healing so not 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 our sort of typical cannabis business uh owner zappy uh but it's really great to have you on especially what just happened with the election the other day you know drugs won the day as i've been saying for a couple of days um but before we get into everything that we have to talk about today, man, tell me about you, your background, and how did you end up focusing, you know, your sort of work and life on psychedelics? Yeah, no, this is, it's a really organic story. You know, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and I, after college, I went to work on Wall Street, and I, you know, wanted to be more of an entrepreneur, and at some point, I jumped into that entrepreneurial path, and what happened was it was the early 90s and they had deregulated television. So you could make your own TV show, buy time on TV, what would be an infomercial. But it was just so open that I was like, wow, this is so cool. I knew some people had some production equipment and decided to go into the infomercial space. And um, I wound up, you know, getting on the Today Show with Katie Couric because there was so little information that she had me and the guy from Time Life Videos where, you know, they were like the masters of that. And at the end of the segment, when she wrapped up, I said, oh, by the way, Katie, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'm at 1-800. And I gave out the 800 number. She, after the camera cut, she, she screamed me out for five minutes on how unprofessional I was. <laughs> Never be back on the Today Show again. And uh, But back at my office in Boston, the phones were ringing, like hundreds of phone calls coming in. Every time zone the show would play, we'd get another hundred calls. And, you know, in there, there was like Diana Ross was watching the singer. She had her assistant call me. Time Warner cable top people contacted me and said, hey, we need to do internal infomercials on our Barker channels. And so all of a sudden I created this 
overnight infomercial company. And I kept doing that and uh, had some good experiences with infomercials. But when the late 90s came and I started to see the internet happening, I was like, oh my God, wow, this is the holy grail of direct marketing. You're going to be able to track consumers all the way through the system. It's like, this is better than infomercials. I got to get into this right now. And um, so I thought, okay, where do I fit in the internet? And my theory was that if I came up, if I got a category generic domain name, like beer.com or diamond.com, I would have a certain amount of credibility as an entrepreneur, as a business. As more people came on the internet, I would rise with the tide. And I was like, wow, let me figure out what domain I ought to get. <clears throat> and so I made a list, I called it my Super Bowl list, which was I wanted an industry that advertised at the Super Bowl, figuring that would be a big enough category for me to develop for a few years. So I made the list, it was like beer, cars, computers, insurance, credit cards, and top of the list was beer. So I was like, oh, I wonder what's at beer.com. I typed it in and there was this hobbyist site of a kid uh, with pictures of him and his friends throwing up from drinking too much. And I thought, wow, you know, I looked him up. He's in Colorado. And I'm thinking, this guy's in Colorado with beer.com. You can't find a beer sponsor because at the top of the page, it said, we need advertisers so we can buy more beer. <laughs> and uh, so I, I approached him and I said, look, I know people that do liquor promotions. And why don't you let me take over beer.com and put together a beer portal site? Um, I concluded, you know, based on my best guesstimates at the time that that domain was maybe worth a hundred thousand dollars so i gave him eighty thousand in cash and uh told him to keep 20 percent because i thought it was going to do really well going forward i redeveloped the site put you know how to brew beer rate your favorite beer get a beer.com email for free and um i put out press about what i was doing and i got calls from all those beer companies and one of them was interbrew up in toronto that owns labats and rolling rock and everything they said hey come on up and you know let's talk about beer.com i went up and you know two months after i had taken this thing over uh for 80 grand i sold it to them for seven million dollars so i was like oh wow i was like this is a good industry i better go back to my super bowl list here so uh i went back to the list uh you know and uh started to acquire i was able to get diamond.com from a from a so you know a software company that didn't need it um i wound up eventually getting computer.com 1-800 computer and with a partner we did a super bowl ad in the 2000 super bowl and launched beer.com um the I'm sorry, we launched uh, computer.com 1-800-COMPUTER, had a Super Bowl ad. It was just incredible, uh, you know, fun and entrepreneurial learning. And um, so, you know, as I was doing that, uh, you know, when the internet bubble burst, I had got the opportunity to own creditcards.com, which I did pretty well with. I actually wound up as an entrepreneur exiting it too early and uh, had built it up and, and with some partners that wanted to exit it, uh, we exited it for a few million dollars and everybody was happy, but the guy took that same site, same business model and everything. He just you know, applied what we were doing and started buying traffic and increasing the number of leads. And two years later, he, what we sold him for 3 million, he turned around and sold to American Capital for 133 million, same website, business model, logo. So I'd have to wow. see, you know, 
yeah, TV commercials for creditcards.com on, you know, NBC, NBC, and, you know, want to jump out the window and kill myself. So <laughs> thankfully, I've been, you know, a cannabis user for the last uh, 35 years. And, you know, I knew it was a valuable medicine, important medicine in my life. And so I never even... You know, when people say, oh, a drug, you know, I just didn't even go in my brain. I was like, this is medicine and I hope everybody eventually can get this. Um, so I always, you know, loved it, wanted to be a part of it. When things went legal in 2012, um, you know, I, I participated in some of the CBD, early CBD companies and cannabis opportunities. And, and that was great. Um, but at the same time, I sort of had this midlife crisis, spiritual midlife crisis myself. And I realized that I'd done everything society told me to do, go make money, have a family, you'll be totally fulfilled. And I was sitting there like, oh, wow, you know what? I just did it all. And then I'm happy, but I'm not fulfilled. Like, how am I going to get fulfilled? And I realized that I'd had some good psychedelic experiences when I was younger. And I thought, wow. If I could use something like ayahuasca that I'm hearing about, uh, San Pedro, cactus, some of these things to go inside and have that experience with the intent of expanding my consciousness and learning about myself. I was like, I think I have to do this or, you know, maybe I wasted my whole life. And uh, that was what led me to go down to Peru and sit with a shaman. And I've always had, you know, uh, from the infomercial days, I've always had, you know, equipment to film and edit and stuff. So I said, Oh, I'll just, you know, make a movie about this, my experience. And then I could share it with other people. And I was lucky enough to get the actress, Michelle Rodriguez, who was having her own spiritual midlife crisis and wanted to try ayahuasca come with me and some friends down to, Peru to have some shamanic experiences and uh, of course changed my life. And I realized that, hey, you know what? Cannabis is amazing. It is a psychedelics, but it's so subtle that it doesn't even get usually put into that same frame as, you know, these other psychedelic catalysts. Yeah. So, you know, my thinking was, wow, okay, let me leapfrog cannabis because, you know, everybody's already working to get that out and it's coming out. Nature's really intelligent. It knows people need it and it's bringing it out. And I thought, you know, as cannabis leads the way uh, where people like my parents who, you know, used to be resistant to, you know, marijuana and, uh, and anything to do with that now in their eighties, they're eating gummies for their health and feeling better and so they realized, just like a lot of other people now, this is medicine. And I figured, you know, if I can bring forward some of these compounds like, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, San Pedro, ayahuasca, ibogaine to break the heroin and opiate epidemics, uh, ketamine to break the depression and PTSD, you know, this is the place that's this is what's going to triage society. So it's like, you know, if, if we made legal weed today, yes, society would get better and better and better and better. But we're in a, you know, a suicide addiction, depression epidemic. And now we're coming out of a pandemic with all this PTSD. Nothing's going to triage that other than these catalysts that can, you know, put you into a different state 
give you a different perspective and scientifically now have been proven to be able to triage society. So I'm just, you know, thrilled yesterday was with the election and, you know, a couple states going decriminalizing drugs, you know, even in Oregon, cocaine and these things, they're being decriminalized, which makes total sense because most people you know, if you tell them not to do something, they're going to be so curious that they're going to have to do it. Where, you know, in Europe and places when they say, hey, everything's legal, don't, you know, we're not going to, you Portugal. know, arrest people. And yeah, Portugal, everything winds up better. And so we have to accept that that model exists and, you know, make these things available so there can be more education, more, you know, opportunities like there are now with cannabis, where it used to be, you know, you didn't, I didn't know what kind of, you know, I might've known whether it's indoor or outdoor weed or what state yeah. it came from, but now I know so much in there. And then I can, you know, find sub products that could actually be really good for me. And we have to get there with psychedelics really fast because if we don't, you know, we're in a crazy situation where society can go off the rails. With, so it's, um, it's interesting that you mention the, the, the pandemic in, in sort of this, this, this early run up because it, in, there was a month in, in the middle of the pandemic where every weekend I was doing some sort of psychedelic and I, and I just psychedelic user, but never at, at that sort of rate. And, you know, and I coming out of that, you know, that the following sort of weeks and months, I, I, I was far more at peace with the sort of situation, you know, that that I was in. Yes. And, you know, a part of me at that time sort of realized that, well, I had used psychedelics my whole, you know, my my adult life and even in my teenage years that. You know, it wasn't until then where where I sort of was like, holy shit, this this actually might be, you know, a way to help with my depression. And and yeah, I mean, I'm a cannabis journalist, so I do read a lot about a lot of these things, but I didn't realize the sort of the history of psychedelics and their potential role as medicine. And, and, you know, you've worked on a couple of films about this, you know, psychedelics and, and you, you, I mean, you named a couple of psychedelics that I'm not even familiar with. Could you just briefly describe sort of the history? And if it's, I mean, briefly uh, yeah. of, of psychedelics yeah. and their potential role as medicine. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know, but you know, of course in the, you know, 50s and things, LSD was legal. You know, uh, these uh, ibogaine, which is this incredible addiction interrupter, these used to be uh, publicly sold as a French brand called Lambrine. You could buy it over the counter uh, for virility and things. They didn't really know exactly, but they was like for virility and energy and things like that. And so, you know, what happened was in the in the 60s when they started to, in 50s, when they started to bring out these SSRIs, these antidepressants from the pharmaceutical companies, that they decided that was a better track for them to go down. So it's very easy with, you know, the Vietnam War and the president not wanting, you know, people to be going inside and thinking too much about what was going on that they said, oh, let's shut this thing down. Let's tell people that we don't know if they're safe. 1966, they're like, we're making LSD and other psychedelics illegal because they have to be studied for safety. And, you know, that kind of makes sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, makes sense. But, you know, here we are now, 54 years later, 
Okay, millions of people have done these things, many with great benefit. And I'm not, you know, our mind army that's fighting for the right to pursue happiness. We're not going to sit here in 2020 knowing what we do about medicine and science. And, you know, we're not going to sit here and have somebody tell us that alcohol's good, tobacco's good, but psilocybin mushrooms, those are bad. And even if you're suicidal or facing addiction, you can't use them. Sorry, you're going to have to die. You know, it's like, no, we don't accept that paradigm. Okay. We are going to use these. We're asking the president, whoever that is to, to do, use the executive branch, do an executive order, legalizing psychedelic compounds right now for this crisis of mental health and addiction. And we, the way we're doing this is number one, to ask them, you know, to really say, hey, look, if it's Donald Trump, if you want to win the Nobel Prize, you are going to make these compounds legal. You will bring down suicide rates and help the opiate epidemic and actually be recognized for something real. Okay, number one, if it's Joe Biden, we intend to say to him, your son, Hunter Biden, who had a drug and alcohol addiction issue, he overcame that using Ibogaine, just like we gave Lamar Odom in the film that's coming out next year. And we intend to say to Joe Biden, hey, if it's good enough for your son, it's good enough for everybody else. Like, get your pen out and start writing this executive order because we're not going to sit around here just because you have $15,000 or $5,000 to send your kid, you know, out of the country to do Ibogaine. Like, we need this stuff. Okay. So make it legal, accept that just like, you know, MDMA right now is being shown, you know, uh, through clinical trials with MAPS to be effective in treating PTSD. Uh, in a similar way, ketamine is being shown to break suicidal ideation and depression. Uh, psilocybin mushrooms, microdose is going to definitely, you know, get rid of all the antidepressants and replace those just with microdosing psilocybin. So let's get to it. Let's not pretend, you know, that if we don't know the safety profile, it's like, and that's what's so cool about this moment is with the internet. And social media, if something works like cannabis, then my parents and people are going to try it. And then if it works for them, that it, it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying about it. And that's what's happening for psychedelics right now, too. It's so exciting because we're heading for a cliff as a society. We could go off the cliff, you know, but, it, you know, here's the beauty of nature is it's bringing these compounds to just like take a right turn before we go off the rails. And it's just nice to see that, you know, right in the moment that we all need it, you know, we all tune in to the fact that it's here and it's available. I mean, you're, you're obviously hyper passionate on, on this issue and, and super knowledgeable. So, you know, tell me about some of the challenges that you face as a psychedelic advocate, right? Because I think to a lot of people, you know, the, the, the cannabis advocate has sort of, sort of been normalized through, you know, uh, 50 years of normal or however long it's been. And, uh, you know, magazines, high times and, and, and culture and these sort of normalization, you know, mainstream esque you know, I mean, high times is a traded company now. And, and so, you know, but I, I think psychedelics hasn't in, in most sort of mainstream America hasn't sort of gotten to that, that sort of same point, normalization point with psychedelics. So, so yeah. tell me about the challenges you personally face a, a, in that role. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what's cool is, you know, I have, you know, through film, you know, realized, you know, before that I was like, oh, you know, we're in a celebrity driven culture. I can even either, you know, get pissed off about that or I can use that to my advantage. And, you know, I would rather use that to our advantage as it relates to bringing out psychedelics. So, you know, what's exciting to me is uh, I had this organic experience where I was showing my film, The Reality of Truth, uh, here in uh, Florida and at the Hippocrates Health Institute. And somebody came up to me after the movie and they said, hey, I just saw that movie about plant medicine of yours. Uh, I'm friends with Lamar Odom, the basketball player, Kardashian, and he's not in a good position right now. Uh, do you think you could help him with some plant medicine? And I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, help him out and, you know, um, and film that, you know, sounds really cool to share it. But what I love is that this movie, you get to see Lamar, you're like a fly on the wall. You get to see him go through his ketamine experiences with different treatments of ketamine and emerge and say, I've never felt this good in my life. Um, you get to see him come, come down to Mexico with me and do ibogaine, which is an African root that is very intense, but it can break a heroin or open addiction. Uh, he had 12 strokes, six heart attacks, liver damage, kidney failure from being in a, a drug and overdose coma. And, you know, to see this ibogaine reset him mentally and physically to the point where in the movie you see, he says, I think I feel so good. I can make a comeback in professional basketball. And a couple months later, four months later, or so he went and played in a professional tournament in Dubai. And he had this, you know, rock, personal rocky moment for himself where he's like, I was supposed to die, you know, and then I did the ketamine. I lost my fear of death. I did the ibogaine. I've lost my fear. I know I'm on, you know, this is like gravy time for me. And he's like, this is so cool. Like, I don't care. I'm not the same basketball player I was when I was 20 years old, but who cares? I'm just enjoying the moment and, you know, I'm present. And so to see somebody you know, who people think they know personally because they've watched them and feel really attached. He's the perfect celebrity to bring this forward. And I'm really excited for him to normalize it. Uh, for me, it's cool because I, I've gotten this moniker of the psychedelic concierge, yes. which I think is like a pretty good description. Because if you think about like you're at a hotel and you go to a a concierge and you're like, Hey, where should we go to dinner tonight near the hotel? They say, Oh, well, what kind of food do you like? Do you like wine? Do you want there to be music? And then you tell them and they go, Oh, I'll go to this place. So in the same way, they're not cooking your dinner and they're not making the music. They're just, you know, making a right recommendation. So when, you know, celebrities or business people are friends come to me, I do a similar analysis like that concierge. I'm like, okay, well, what are you trying to achieve? What's your intent? What kind of traumas do you have going on? What have you tried? Okay. Well, based on that, I think, you know, in the movie, the Lamar Odom reborn, I have a formula for him. And that formula for him is ketamine plus plant medicine, plus a daily practice of meditation, breathing, equals a conscious transformation. So he had to go through that formula, start by being triaged with ketamine, because he'd always been told, don't do psychedelics. If something goes wrong as an African-American guy, 
you're going to be you could be shot by the cops put in a mental institution like we have this really unfair thing happening that we need to correct in the psychedelic community where we have to make this open to everybody no judgment just everybody deserves this go inside so he'd never done it he was nervous he didn't you know but he'd done everything else he knew there was nothing else he could try to pull himself out so he agreed to do it uh he came down and uh, with my partner, Warren Gumpel, who's my ketamine partner here, he, he trusted us. He went through the treatments. And then when he felt good and stabilized, he's, I said, look, you know, let's go down to Mexico. You have an addiction profile. You're an African-American guy. There's this African root that can break an addiction and do a whole physical reset. Like, who knows? Maybe you're supposed to be having this stuff and you've just been cut off from it culturally for generations. So let's go do it. And he he's like such a cool guy that he was like, all right, let's do it. I got nothing to lose, you know, and um, it's a it's a very intense experience. It's like not something that I recommend to people unless they you know, need a full reboot or they're addicted to some thing that they can't get off. The ibogaine so incredible that it basically wipes your prefrontal cortex. So you have no cravings. You don't even have to detox on a ibogaine journey. It's just a, 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 a wild 12 hour to 48 hour experience. But when you come out of it, you know, you're, you're, you don't have cravings. You, don't have anything in your system and you physically are getting this reboot as if you're like, you know, 18 years old again. And um, so this is really cool. So, you know, and, and just a side note that uh, they've, they've recognized anecdotally hasn't been studied because of the legality, same thing with cannabis and all this, but they realized that a micro dose of Iboga, this plant can reverse Parkinson's disease. Yeah, because of what it's doing in the brain and that repair that it's capable of doing. So we have to just be smart and just say, hey, look, they tricked us with cannabis. Now we know we're not going to let them trick us with this, you know, psychedelics anymore. We're going to use these. We're going to study them, get the benefit. And um, and that's, you know, that's I love it. That's where we're at. So talk to me about, you know, you, you had mentioned, you know, we're a couple of days removed uh, from the election uh, during that night, uh, Oregon, uh, you know, implemented the, the medical cannabis, uh, D.C. decriminalized uh, ethnogenic plants. So that doesn't include MDMA or LSD. Uh, previously, you know, we've had Ann Arbor, Michigan. We've had Santa Cruz. We've had Oakland. Uh, Denver have all passed, you know, measures to decriminalize uh, psilocybin. Um, and, and ultimately, I mean, I, I, I'm of the mind where, you know, it's going to sort of follow the same path as cannabis, probably take a little longer, but do you think that this movement can gain the same traction as the early medical cannabis movement, despite barriers, you know, such as it's, it's drug schedule, uh, such as the general public's misunderstanding of the substances and the general stigma, uh, of psychedelics. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think it actually can, you know, avoid all the things that cannabis has had to go through because we're in such a crisis, you know, six months ago, I would have said, yeah, you know, it's probably, I don't know, it could be years, who knows, we're going to fight for it, but who knows. But after this crisis, this mental health crisis, I think, you know, there's a suicide epidemic wave that's coming that this country's not even ready for. And so how do you 
triage that. And I think a lot of people, while they may not be ready today, they may go, oh, Zappi, you're nuts. You're not going to get the president to legalize this stuff. But I'll tell you what, if 50,000 teenagers committed suicide one day on a, an app or a website, that would, which is not far-fetched. There's already, you know, undertones of something like this developing. And so how, that's going to break the fabric of the family and society. And people are going to be like, holy shit, what do we do? And then they're going to go, oh, look, it looks like ketamine, you know, breaks suicidal ideation. Why don't we do that? And so I'm not, I wish people would just do it now and legalize these things out of, you know, respect for other human beings. And the fact that, you know, this mind arm, we're trying to, you know, get this stuff legal because we're like, you know, this is my body. This is my mind. If I'm having suicidal thoughts or I'm addicted to something or I'm depressed, I have to be given the opportunity to heal myself. And if I'm not hurting anybody else, then like get out of my way. This is 2020. I'm not going to sit here and have a conversation with uh, the state government and the local and the D. Yeah, nope. Going right to the president. That's the person who can sign this executive order. Don't want to talk to anybody else. We're just going to pile as many people on as possible. So if anybody's, the people that are listening, they can come to mindarmy.org and check it out, sign the petition. We're setting up a task force because there's, in every city, there are these psychedelic societies, these entheogenic societies, and they're just underground because of the legal culture. But if they were able to come to, it was made legal and they could come to the surface and we could have a Yelp for, you know, therapists and guides. And if you're having a bad time that you would be able to access somebody right really close to you to help you out. And this is kind of like the model, you know, I'm a, I'm a grateful dead fan. I'm a deadhead. I've been a hundred shows and at those shows, I was never cool enough to do it, but some of the people would give up seeing the show and they'd go into the tent and help people that were having a bad trip. And it's like, these cool people exist all over the place. So we can do harm reduction. We can make sure everybody has a good experience. And then the Mind Army is putting together a, uh, a psychedelic uh, a microdosing handbook with the idea that we have information from maps, third wave, double blind, like the best techniques to microdose these different things, thinking to ourselves that if the president legalizes this with an executive order, we want people to have this handbook so that they can say, oh, okay, I got some mushrooms. Let me see how much I should take, what the basic effect is. Let me figure this out slow in a microdose, not just go, oh, mushrooms, great. Give me 10 grams. I think I heard that on the radio, you know, on you know some podcast. So we want people to start slow and safe, have a task force in place, but you know, you're hearing it right here. Yesterday's or uh, the the vote the other day was a referendum on people are demanding to be able to take care of their own mental health right now, and that we all accept that these are important, legitimate things. That's why they're being legalized by majorities of voters. Yeah, I mean, so going to pile on. Going back to, to what I was talking about, my own sort of recent experience, you know, and this idea of of the inalienable right to to sort of do do what you will with your own brain, right? You know, um, you know, my mother's we're, she's very open. We we have a very good relationship, and and you know, and and just a couple of weeks ago, you know, I I said, you know, I'm, I'm going on a trip this weekend, you know, a little MDMA, and you know, it, it was finally the first time that she understood. And, and she's never really done any sort of psychedelics, but I think that she understands now that 
people are hurting and and that and that I haven't, you know, I, my, my life hasn't changed dramatically in the time that I've been using psychedelics, I think medically. Um, and so to, to, to your point and, and sort of the mission of your organization, I, do you think that that message of the inalienable right is, 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 a, is more effective, I guess, than, you know, the, the idea that these, that these drugs work? Yeah, it, I think it's a, it's a double you know, it's a double hit. People are getting, thanks to cannabis, they're getting this, hey, you know what? They were wrong about that. And I have to be more open now. I have to do my own due diligence. I can't just, you know, think because, you know, they told me if I smoke marijuana, I was going to go crazy and rape people. And like, okay, now I know this is medicine. Okay. And now I'm seeing MDMA. I've seen Compass Pathways with their psilocybin go public on the NASDAQ with a billion dollar market cap. Psybin up in Canada just raised 45 million. So the Wall Street people and the, the Main Street people are, are, are seeing it in different ways that they need to see it. But it's all leading to things like your mom, where, you know, last year she might have been like, oh, I don't know. When's, are, are you doing that too much? Or, you know, something like that, where now she's just like, oh, well, good you know because i don't want you to like you know be having mental issues and you know have these problems that don't have to exist so i think it's it's cool i mean i i thank cannabis and i thank nature because i think nature is very so intelligent i just want to tell you one fact i heard during the coronavirus while i was quarantining doing psychedelics and watching you know nature programs and stuff and cool visuals and the best thing i learned and just just shows how intelligent these plants are and we gotta start giving them credit uh in the uh papua new guinea jungle there are these fruit plants and there are fruit bats that eat the fruit off of these plants. After they eat it, they drop the seed down onto the ground and, or they poop it out and it grows a new tree. Well, the trees realize that the that the bats were helping them to you know, fertilize these new plants. And in a very short time, they uh, evolved to make it easier for the bats to hold on to the trees. Super cool. I mean, that is, that's consciousness, that's intelligence. Yeah. And, you know, when you do ibogaine or you have this, uh, you know, experience like this where you tap into this, you know, ancient plant and then all of a sudden you're having like this high technology information and stuff happening. You're just like, wow, like these plants, like we should literally get down on the ground and be like, you know, bowing to these plants instead wrong. of, you know, being these humans who I think, you know, I, my hope is that people look at the turn that we're about to make back to trusting nature and plants. They're going to go, oh, that generation around 2000, those are the people who went back to nature after these, you know, ridiculous humans decided that they didn't need nature. They could just, they were smarter than all that and they could just figure it out with technology. And I want to be us to be seen as the group that, you know, brought that thing back to trusting nature, going inside and, you know, ideally not taking it too seriously either. Cause this is, this is a miracle we're in. And, you know, I think a lot of times people are just disconnected from what a miracle we're in and they're, 
you know, I see it around me and I'm, and I think this is the power of like ketamine is you do without experience in a medical doctor's office. You're not trying to have a trip. You're not trying to expand your conscience. You just don't want to have depression or addiction. And you go in there or PTSD and you get the enlightened experience. And then you go, Oh, I get it. This is what they've been talking about. And so, you know, that opportunity to tap people into that level of new consciousness is uh amazing and uh we have the opportunity to take advantage of that right now and we gotta you know just stick with that not be distracted and there's a recent study uh just found that you know that that uh, psilocybin worked four times better than antidepressants. And it was a, granted a very small study, you know, 27 person study or something like that. Um, but I mean, the fact that, that we're getting these studies, I, th- I think is really, really important for the yeah. overall conversation. Um, what advice do you have for people who want to learn more about how psychedelics can potentially help with depression and addiction? I mean, you know, th- having this conversation on a podcast, you know, that d- definitely doesn't even scratch the surface. So, so what do you recommend for, for, for those folks? Um, you know, I would definitely tell people to watch the reality of truth. That movie is all about, you know, showing you why, what the opportunity is with these compounds. And, uh, then I would say, uh, definitely check out the mind army and join us mindarmy.org because this is the place that we can all, you know, get together. I said this, I was on a, uh, a conference, a virtual conference the other day, and they asked me to speak about advocacy, about, you know, activism. And I said, you know, number one, we have the best product in the world. Okay. Nothing works as well. So let's just embrace that. Number one. Number two, we have a majority of people. It's being shown in the election. We have a majority of people who say we're in a mental health crisis and we need to use safe and effective compounds that we know about. And then third, we live in this world where you can, you know, uh, you can tap in through social media and the internet into these large groups and affect them with content and information. And who knows, this show could be the, you know, straw that breaks the camel's back. You just literally don't know. So we have to advocate. We have to be, you know, really strong in our, you know, our, our reality, which is our products incredible. And it's the only thing that's going to work right now and just get really, you know, cocky in that mode. And um, just that's where, where we get the, we don't want to talk to the state and local and this and that. We, I, that, that we've seen where that went with cannabis. We want an executive order from the president right now, or unfortunately, if he needs to wait and have social situations accelerate him to do this, we will be standing by trying to help people to have as good an experience as possible. But like you said, during this coronavirus, or if you find yourself in Denver or Oregon or Santa Cruz, a psychedelic neutral zone, you got to take advantage of that opportunity and say, there's nowhere else I have to be right now. I'm going to go inside of myself, learn something. And I guarantee if you do it the right in the right set and setting and the right intent, you're going to have an amazing experience. So uh, Zappy, I I could I could sit here and have this conversation with you for the next forty five minutes, and <laughs> and and because I'm learning I'm learning so much, and 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 it sort of reinforces I guess 
I mean, you know, I, I guess it reinforces sort of what I've been experiencing recently. And, and to, to think about this, you know, the, the referendum, as, as you put it, that, uh, that happened uh, during the general election when it comes to psychedelics, to put that in sort of the, the, the frame of, you know, I, that, that people are sort of waking up and realizing that we have this mental health crisis occurring. I think that's one of the most interesting sort of perspectives that I've had surrounding this issue um, in my conversations with, with, you know, friends, family, other, you know, sort of journalists, that sort of thing. Um, You know, you've mentioned your websites a couple of times. Is is there a place where people can find out uh, some more about you personally or any place else you want to direct people to uh, check out before we wrap up here? Um, no, I mean, I think, um, you know, that, that mindarmy.org is a great place to come into the mix with me. Uh, and there's a lot of, you know, ways to engage there. Um, you know, our right now, um, you know, we will, we'll have more stuff coming out, but I I'd say that's a good entry point. Um, I do want to say one, I want to future cast something at the end here. That's really exciting. Go for it. And this is mind blowing. Um, and I'm involved with this in a business sense, but it's so cool that it exists today as well, which is that the future of medicine and the future of psychedelics is frequency. And what I mean by that is right now, instead of taking an orange to get some vitamin C and put that in your body, it is now possible to use technology to put some headphones on and they dial up the frequency of vitamin C. It causes an electrical reaction in the brain, which causes a physical reaction in the body. And you can get vitamin C benefit without taking the vitamin C, which means you don't have to, we're going to be able to dial up a ketamine frequency and give you that frequency and give you a psychedelic experience without taking any organic material. And this is the great equalizer where when the government's going around saying, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. We're like, hey, guess what? We don't need it. We're doing it with frequency. And as far as I know, frequency is totally legal. So thanks anyways. And it's amazing because if people are, you know, in a place like, you know, a cold climate and they can't get access to a compound or something like that, to be able to get the frequency, have the psychedelic experience and benefit physically. I mean, this is like the greatest time to be alive ever. I'm just, I can't even go to bed at night. I'm just like, oh my God, the frequency's here to mess this whole thing up. All right. You know, it's all about energy, man. It really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, th- th- this has been a conversation that we definitely have to have again. Um, you know, you're you're a fantastic source, resource of, of information. Um, thank you so much for for this conversation and you know, just just your 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 knowledge and, and your expertise and, and your drive and passion uh for uh this 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 issue. Um, you know, I, I really can't thank you enough, Zappy. Appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing too. I think it's like, you know, the gonchapreneurs are going to become psychedelic preneurs and frequency preneurs. And, you know, we're just, it's, uh, you can't stop entrepreneurs. And now we have these tools and we have the, the, the masses and we have everything we need. We just got to, now is when we got to get really, you know, strong in our vocalizing. Because the last thing I'll say is I don't think there's some conspiracy to keep these psychedelics out of people's hands. I literally think it's a lack of education. Doctors don't know. Politicians don't know. And 
you know, in the same way that most doctors don't really know about nutrition, which is like shocking. It's like, they just weren't taught. It's not that they wouldn't like to know. And we, as the psychedelic community who have had experience and know what's going on, it's our job to educate these people. And as long as we do that, we can be, you know, it's, it's all going to work out perfectly. That is Zappy Zappelin. He's the director of the 2016 documentary, The Reality of Truth, and uh, Lamar Odom Reborn, which is set to be released next year, yeah? Yes. You got uh, it. He, he's also the founder of the Ketamine Fund, uh, which offers free ketamine and, uh, to veterans and others who are suicidal, and the Mind Army, uh, which believes that every human being has the inalienable right to go inside their own minds for answers and healing. Thank you again, uh, Zappy. Uh, it's, it's really been a pleasure. You too. All right. Thanks for doing what you do. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfaults. Gontrepreneur.com.